You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and this is the Rob Review Podcast. Today, I am excited to have Laura Rob with me, as I do for every podcast. But also, Laura and I are very excited because we have a special guest for this podcast. Travis Crowder is with us today. Travis, of course, is a is a seventh grade language arts teacher, um, and most of you know Travis for writing a book with our friend Todd Nisloni called Sparks in the Dark. And if you have not checked out that book, we strongly encourage you to check out that book. It's available on Amazon.com, an excellent book, and it comes absolutely with my recommendation and with Laura's recommendation. Definitely. Today we are going to talk a little bit about non-traditional practices in the classroom. And this is an exciting topic for us and one that we will expand upon through this podcast. So Travis, again, welcome as our guest to the Rob Review Podcast. I'm going to let you kind of start our conversation today, again, focused on non-traditional practices in the classroom. Thank you, Evan. It's so good to be here with both you and Laura. And non-traditional practices, those are things that have really spoken to me since I started teaching about a decade ago, whenever I was in the classroom, I noticed so often that teachers would stand in front of the classroom and they would, we would all read a book, especially in language arts class, we'd already all read a book at the same time, chapter by chapter, we would have quizzes at the end of each, and then there was a large unit test at the end. And whenever I went into the classroom, I'll be honest and tell you that I kind of fell into that myself, thinking that it was going to be the thing that reached my students. This was going to be the thing that got them and got them reading and got them thinking about literature. But the problem is no one was leading or leaving my classroom as a reader. No one was leaving as a writer. And that was bothersome. It bothered me quite a bit. So after some reflection, after a lot of professional reading and a lot of writing, I thought, you know what I need to do? I need to start reaching them as readers and writers. And one of the non-traditional practices that I believe is so important is the power of choice, giving students choice in the classroom. Choice is absolutely empowering. And Laura, I know that's a topic that you and I talk about frequently. So let me get some opinions from you about the power of choice. Yes, choice is key. Uh, not only in independent reading, but in instructional reading. And along with choice, uh, especially uh, in a workshop, one of my favorite concepts is negotiation, Mm -hmm. which means that it's not just about what I say or just about what the students say, but we work together. We collaborate and we come to some decisions. For example, uh, what I love to negotiate are deadline dates for different parts of the writing process. Mm -hmm. Um, And the kids know that they can renegotiate. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might negotiate um, uh, if, if we're doing a unit of study on a genre, we'll negotiate how many books they think they can work on with a partner or a small group uh, in six to seven weeks. It gives them a sense of independence. It helps them um, understand how to deal with time, but it also empowers them Mm -hmm. because they have a say. And I love to hear what they have to say, and I love to see their choices, Travis, as well. Well, Laura, I, you know, I appreciate you painting a picture that is absolutely the opposite of my middle school experience. I did not experience a lot of choice when I was in middle school. 
and accept the choice not to read, which I've reminded our podcasters, uh, <laughs> listeners before, that I actually navigated 6th, 7th, and 8th grade and never read a book. Um, and I know mom is a reading teacher. That doesn't make you feel really good. But, uh, you know, I want to be honest with our viewing audience. So we continue talking about non-traditional practices. Appreciate you sharing the value of choice when it comes to reading within the classroom. And Travis, you are in the classroom day in and day out as a seventh grade language arts teacher. And maybe you can share with us a little bit uh, specifically how you bring choice and empowerment into your classroom. So one of the things that I do at the beginning of every school year is I bring in so many book talks. I talk about so many books across the first week of school, and I continue to talk about them throughout the school year. But the beginning week of school, that beginning day, those beginning days of school are so important because students are coming into my classroom, and I'll be honest and say that often they come into my room and they have had choices denied to them. Their, their lives, their reading lives are paltry because they have only read what the teacher has prescribed. So I try to share with them books that I know are gonna capture their interest, or these are books recommended by former students of mine. So the first week of school is about connecting with those, knowing, navigating the classroom library, knowing what books are there. And I also want them to begin to think about who they are as a writer, or I'm sorry, as a reader. What book have you chosen? Does Is this a book whenever we start reading it? Is this one that's speaking to you? Because I feel that unless you are communicating with that book, there's something in your heart that's, you know, that book is pricking your heart and saying, you know, this is, you're thinking to yourself, this is something beautiful. This is something that's speaking to me. That's the beginning of a reading life. Absolutely, uh, Travis. And you know, as you were uh, talking about that with so much heart and understanding, uh, what occurred to me is that uh, in a lot of traditional classes, when kids read or when they do writing, it's silent work. Mm -hmm. But you know, reading is social. so. Mm -hmm. When, when the kids have choice and they come upon a part that they really love, then I want them to be able to say, oh, Travis, you've got to hear about this. I've mm -hmm. got to talk about that. Yes. And that really enlarges our reading life so mm -hmm. that when I look at a non-traditional classroom, there are a lot of different things going on. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just everybody reading at one time, everybody talking at one time, mm -hmm. but it's what they're learning drives them to decide what they're doing. Well, you know, again, I'm excited today to be uh, having this podcast with some expert educators. So I'm going to ask a question that's going to put you all a little bit on the spot. I think I probably know what your answer might be, uh, but I think it's important that we share it. In many English classrooms, language arts classrooms around the United States, there are designated books per classroom. And at times, uh, the books are simply chosen because for whatever reason, they had a lot of resonance to the teacher who's been teaching them for a long time. And that is not, I'm certainly not saying that those books are bad books at all, but I am saying that at times they are the books that, that are only taught within the classroom. And uh, Travis, let me start with you to kind of give some of your thoughts about that and, um, and, and uh, where we need to go with that. Well, I think what we need to start with is what we believe. What is it that we believe about the teaching of reading in our classrooms and if our goal is to create readers then we need to start there you know what does does our does our classroom rest on that belief do we believe that all students can develop a love for reading and then they can develop a reading life can they develop a reading habit a reading identity so I think that to me is where it should start and secondly 
begin to question why. Why is this a text that has been used year after year after year? For years in high school, in ninth grade, Romeo and Juliet is the text. And, and yeah, and I know it still is. And, but, you know, the why. Why is that the text? Who said that that one has to be the text? And begin thinking, if, if this is not a book that's speaking with the current group of kids that you have, I think you need to have an honest conversation with yourself. If this is a text that is too difficult for the readers in your classroom, you need to have a conversation with yourself and determine, is this going to speak to them? Does this align with my belief? Is this going to help push them further as readers and helping them develop a reading life and identity? Or is it going to hinder them? You know, sometimes when the book is too difficult, what happens, and this happened a lot with me when I was in school, is teacher would simply read it out loud, um, which at times could be quite entertaining, to be really honest, but it certainly didn't do anything to improve my reading. Well, you know, when a, when a book be takes that place, like it, it's the text, mm -hmm. one text for all. To me, it's like a textbook or a program. So mm -hmm. instead of a program, we have this book that's become traditional that everyone is supposed to read, but if everyone can't read it, you're right, Travis, they're not developing that reading life. They're not reading, uh, they're outsiders. Uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not part of what's going on. And with the diversity that we have in our classes uh, for cultural diversity, as well as the, way, the, the reading levels that kids bring with them, one book, one textbook will never ever reach every child. So what you're saying, the foundation of why, and then I, I think you have to come to choice, mm -hmm. but then here's the other conundrum. What are schools spending their money on? Mm -hmm. Okay, because they'll spend a couple of million on a, um, they'll spend a couple of million on a program, uh, but they'll say they don't have enough money for class libraries. Well, one of the things that I like to say, Laura, and you've inspired me to say this, uh, I've cer certainly shared it on Twitter, is that I have never heard a company pitch uh, within, and I've had some pretty slick pitches when it comes to reading programs that uh, are available to purchase, but I've never heard of a program that said it actually makes students love reading. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's problematic. And if our practices are destructive, if we are losing readers, we're doing something wrong Absolutely. and we have to take back. And you're right, Laura, we have different people, we have diversity, we have different types of readers and we have to speak to them. Absolutely, Travis, I'm with you all the way. And you too, Evan. Well, I would thank you very much. I, I do appreciate that. I, 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 was, I question that sometimes, but that is absolutely a joke. I never question how much you are supportive of me. Uh, I've appreciated it for my entire life and uh, continue to appreciate it daily. Laura, it is always a pleasure to have you with me for a conversation on the Rob Review podcast. And it is an, a wonderful pleasure for Laura and I to have Travis, Travis Crowder with us today to share his opinions um, about change in education. Travis, we thank you for being on the Rob Review podcast. Thank you for having me. This wraps up the Rob Review podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.